This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, here we are once again for the DLR Cast. I'm Steve, along with my good friend Darren Paltrowitz of the Paltrowcast. There we go. How's that? I got the plug in early. How you doing, buddy? I'll take it. the The plug makes it that much better. I'm I'm exhausted, but good exhausted. What about you? I'm I'm close to the same. And it's the tail end of a busy week uh, with some David Lee Roth news on the heels of some big news from Wolfgang Van Halen premiering a track a week a um, little less than what was it? Just not even earlier this week on the Howard Stern show and talking things Van Halen and Dave. And I guess first off, before we get into Dave stuff, what did you think of the song that well they Howard played two songs right right. But, uh, and there's the single, uh, The Distance, which immediately went to the top of virtually every single chart. What did you think? Uh, not really knowing what he sounded like as an individual artist. I think it sounds really good. If you're expecting a Van Halen song, you know, it's not what you wanted to hear. But in that Alter Bridge Creed kind of way, is that what you hear? Yes. In fact, in, I remember thinking at the time, uh, I... You know, had you asked me about two weeks before, what do you think it's going to sound like? I I was not surprised at all. This That's exactly what I expected the music to sound like, given the fact who he's toured with. He's yeah. done stuff with Alter Bridge. And look, the, the what is a kid 30 years old? Not a kid. But, you know, I mean, it's right yeah. in that age group as far as stuff that he grew up with. I mean, I was totally impressed and we'd been hearing about this for a while that he played every single instrument on on you know on the music and i love the guitar solo i think the lyrics are so heartfelt um you know i i i I dig it i it's good i also like the name of the band that he put together mammoth mammoth wvh with the logo hearkening back to the first mammoth logo mammoth being the name of uh, van halen before it was van halen so uh, the name of the band. Yeah, I, I do like some Alter Bridge tracks. I'm not a Creed guy, even though Scott Stapp has been on my podcast. <laughs> and interviewing him is really like pulling teeth. It's the opposite of a David Lee Roth interview where you say, hi, how are you? And then he talks for eight minutes. Scott Stapp's like, ah, fine. Mm. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the guy who produced Wolfgang's album, Elvis Pasquet, Basket, Biscuit. Basket, uh, yeah. However you say his name, he did Alter Bridge's latest record or two and Slash's record or two, Seven Dust's latest record. He's kind of like the producer du jour for, for Jacksonville Active Rock Radio. Right, right, yeah. I mean, so if, as soon as I saw that name, that it was attached with it, I knew it was going to sound something like that. And that's not a dig at all. That's just what it is. And I totally dig it. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Uh I thought the interview was cool. I want to ask you about that in a second. The first thing I saw when I saw it, um, I think it was the Friday before the interview on Wolfgang's feed. I was like, wow, he's this is barely a month after Eddie died. I mean, on the one hand, from a marketing standpoint, get music out is perfectly timed. And as we later found out, the music's been delayed by about close to a year because Eddie was sick. But. And I am in no way I certainly can't ever step into, you know his shoes and think where he must be but i mean i just if we hadn't heard if 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 music wasn't to come for another three or four months i'd understand it yeah but it sure. was, i'm kind of surprised by it all i'm glad to hear it but i was like wow he's doing stern already and it was just a great interview really heartfelt 
Um, and it was, the other thing I realized too, I never even knew what the guy's voice sound, his speaking <laughs> voice sounded like. Where I've heard him sing, I saw the Van Halen Van Halen shows with him, but I didn't even know what the guy sound, you know, sounded like speaking wise. Well, what does Alex Van Halen's voice sound like? You'd have to think of okay, there's that 1996 MTV News interview that he did where they said that they were going to kick David Lee Roth in the balls if they ever saw him. Right, um, right. Like, what does Alex's speaking voice uh, sound like? He had a mic on the stage for some backing vocals, but he never bantered. He didn't do a lot of interviews. No. And you might be a little hard pressed to be like, what does Michael Anthony's speaking voice sound like? You'd have to think, okay. Maybe he had a mic during his Sammy interview. Those guys do not have voices except for Dave that you can really make out. Well, Eddie certainly did plenty of audio. You know, I always knew his voice and oh, through the years because he did he did various. You know, I'd seen him on various things over the years. But yeah, certainly it was. You'd be hard pressed sometimes to look and look for a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah, and I uh, I was saying to you off mic the Eddie Trunk interview that he did with Wolfgang is kind of the total 180 of the Howard Stern one because Howard. The new Howard Stern. Have we ever talked about this? The the new Howard Stern of the last two three years. Oh uh, well, yeah, I think we talked about it a couple of times, if not on the podcast. But yeah, I personally I like Howard's evolution uh, over the last few years. And um, but yeah, it's it's certainly interesting because um, that interview would have been different had it been held say five oh, six yeah. years ago. <laughs> you have been stoking the fires, Rick. Let me ask you this. Uh, did Sammy Hagar ever blah, 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 right. <laughs> You'd get those kinds of things. And Howard was extremely respectful and complimentary while also stressing how important he was. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, of course. Always the uh, the Eddie Trunk one was him kind of going, I'm a big fan. This is what I always wanted to know. So the Eddie Trunk one, he asked Wolfgang about the Oakland 81 show. Wow, really? Yeah. And I don't hear anyone talking about that one. And I also see he did other interviews as well through Zoom. You see that same guitar space, guitar practice space background. So I don't know if if Wolfgang did like 12 interviews last week or three. Yeah, (laughs) he did do a lot of press. Um, You know, the Howard interview, obviously talking David Lee Roth here. And what I thought was really cool was, was one of those rumors where you weren't sure if it was really true or not for a long time, because every, the, it always was, was, well, Hey, they're all back together because of Wolfgang. What totally blew my mind was the fact that 13 year old, 14 year old Wolfgang, whatever calls David Lee Roth's management and says, Hey, can you, can we, can you come over and, and jam? We want to get back together. I mean, I, first off, I just loved, I love the idea that the kids got cojones to do that. Also, I love the idea that his dad was like, yeah, let's do this. Give him a call. See what happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So. The the more that I hear Wolfgang talk about uh, Eddie Van Halen, let's say it's like the Howard Stern interview is maybe like an hour 20 and Eddie Trunk is maybe an hour. Some of these news clips, it's like 10 minutes of talking, 20 minutes of talking. It's like two and a half hours of looking at conversation. My perspective on Eddie Van Halen has really changed in the last week or so because I'm seeing a lot of stories that seem to lead to him uh, wanting to do stuff, but maybe management holding him back, maybe miscommunication holding him back, but him seeming like he was always writing, always recording, game to do anything if involved working with his son, as opposed to being that guy ruling the band with an iron fist. 
Yeah, I think it got a, I think it got a bit more democratic uh, with just maybe mellowing in time and also being clean and sober certainly had something to do with it, right? You're not prone to the mania and the manicness and uh, you know everything that goes along with what you know alcoholism and drug addiction you know which seems to be prevalent with it and just i think also maybe it's mellowing i like to think i like to think that the last 10 years so he was like oh man you know the drama is just ridiculous let's just play <laughs> so I, at two in the morning last night when i was doing some writing a youtube video recommendation came up for me of this guy plays bass in a band called mr north this irish band that was kind of poised to become the next u2 because they had the booking agent, William Morris, that said, hey, I'm going to get you on tour with with Van Halen and uh, The Who and all these big bands. So they did these six shows opening up for Van Halen on the, the 04 or 05 tour with Hagar. The guy wow. told all these stories about what it was like to be on those six or seven shows. And some of the things that we knew were kind of true about how – Sammy and Mike had one entrance to the arena and Eddie and Alex had a different entrance to the arena. That was true. But he said all these nice things about Eddie hanging out with them. But he also talked about all these things about how everyone in Van Halen was super nice and accommodating. And their road crew for free was setting up the gear for their band. They're going, hey, do you want us to uh, get your gear and, and set it up? And I'm like, uh, Yeah. Do, do you want us to sell your merch for you? No charge? Yeah. But then they talked about all the problems they had on the tour related to Van Halen management. Mm, interesting. And I don't know if that's really been uh, gone over before, the team Azoff of what they may or may not have done over the years. Was, uh, was, of course, I still wanted to have my legs to, to walk. Well, but. I'm wondering, was Azoff managing Van Halen in 2005? I'm not sure. Yes. Okay, it was. All right. Um, he was. I remember reading that they didn't want Michael Anthony on that 04, 05 tour. And right. in order for Michael Anthony to get on, he had to sign away his rights. And then Sammy gave up some of his percentage of the tour. And then I think Azoff gave up some of it just so Michael would do it because the Van Halen brothers wouldn't. Right. They didn't want Michael involved. I mean, listen, I who knows? There's got to be some sort of middle ground there. I mean, certainly – Eddie and Alex were, uh, from all reports, I mean, especially as things got really crazy. I mean, Alex had a severe drinking problem. I mean, yeah. you know, I just, I hesitate to put a lot of that on the feet of management, but you just, there's so much we don't know, right? That's why these, the Wolfgang interviews this week gave us a little peek into, into some different things, you know? Yeah. So when you had Eddie Trunk asking about the Oakland 81 shows, you know, I don't think that's ever been publicly addressed before about, is there more footage? Right. Um, what's the status of that? And according to Wolfie, he said that he asked Eddie about it and that Eddie said, no, that's that's all we filmed. Uh, we filmed a couple of those and then they turned the cameras off. But the interview that I did with Michael Starr from Steel Panther, because he's a Van Halen super fan, to say the least, he said that there's footage that we've seen from the 81 Oakland shows that is soundstage that's woven into what we've seen. Meaning Michael, uh, meaning that uh, Roth rented a soundstage and that's why his hair looks different in some of the shots they put in extra footage. Interesting. So that's, I was going to, that's, I've never heard that. 
Yeah, so so I feel I feel almost like at this point we're gonna get the truth between what Wolfie says, what the historians say, and then what eventually comes out on each of these things. Right on. Well, let's uh, put a pin in this for a second because we've got an interview this week. Your interview with uh, the back end of this episode. Your interview with uh, Michael Starr from Steel Panther, correct? Yeah, uh, Michael Starr. Uh, he may or may not strike uh, a resemblance uh, to Ralph Sands, who was in L.A. Guns for a while, and the lead singer of the Atomic Punks. Was that his Van Halen tribute band, Atomic Punks? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, him and um, the guitarist Steel Panther were in a really popular Van Halen tribute band that actually David Lee Roth stole <laughs> members from for his own band. Right, that's right. Yeah, so so I know you guys talked about Dave, and we're going we're gonna to hear that shortly, and and um, uh, and that's been picked up. That in, some quotes from that interview has been picked up at a couple different uh, websites too. So congratulations there, and. I, um, well, you just told me a couple of minutes. That's <laughs> well, weird part. Now, you know? in that inner in that interview too, do you guys talk about? And obviously, we'll hear it in a bit. But one of these websites, Metalhead Zone, mentions that uh, Michael Starr told the story of how David Lee Roth refused to perform with Steel Panther. And if it's in the interview, let's not give it all away here. But that's that uh, that was brand new to me. It's in the interview, but. It's uh, that's kind of the fake news interpretation of the whole thing. Okay, Uh, that would be like taking an eight minute story and dumbing it into like eight words Mm -hmm. and and looking for the absolute in that. I I will say this now, Steel Panther, they're in character. But uh, how do I put this? He was entirely out of character and being Ralph. For this interview, which I wasn't fully expecting. I don't know if it's because they knew that I'd interviewed them before and I did them right or that I knew their publicist, who's also actually Wolfgang's publicist, which comes up in the interview. But uh, I was surprised that he directly answered everything because usually everything that he ever says in an interview is like, yeah, dude, (laughs) it's that kind of like (laughs) we did so much coke, bro, dude. Oh, jeez. Well, it sounds it it, it sounds like uh, it, I wouldn't. That doesn't surprise me at all. It sounds like that's exactly how I may have expected it to sound like. Right. Yeah. Play play that role. But he did talk about that uh, event because I sort of asked about the, the bowling alley reunion show that almost happened of the DLR band. Oh, right. And of the, the Eat and Smile band. Sure. He he does say this in the interview, but I, I kind of picked his brain to say, so are you a, a big Roth solo fan? And he's like, well, he lost me with She's My Machine. <laughs> yeah, that, that album lost a lot of people, but uh, we'll have to talk about that one at a later date. So um, some other new some other thing that popped up, you know, out of these Wolfgang interviews. Um, one, I, I saw somewhere that. Um, uh, on the very final show on that 2015 tour, uh-huh. uh, Dave, who notoriously hates beach balls coming from the stage, at the end of Jump, the road crew dumped out about 50 beach balls, a cavalcade of them. Roth went, you know, nuts. And Eddie told that story. Uh, uh, God, where did he tell uh, Wolfgang? I'm sorry, Wolfgang. They say Eddie. Jeez, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, no, during a spin, uh, it was part of a spin interview that came out this week. Wolfgang talked about that. So it's it's cool to hear that stuff. I mean, first and foremost, getting back to it for a minute. I mean, I, I really uh, 
I'm really looking forward to hearing more music from Wolf and and mm-hmm. I th- and I I know there was some comments on Instagram and stuff like that. I mean, if anybody thought for a minute this was going to sound like Van Halen, they were morons. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean the kid the the kid's his own talent, a singular amazing talent. I couldn't imagine it was going to sound like Van Halen because of his influences. Yeah, I know about his DNA, but one of the last things that we ever saw of Eddie was that that Wolfgang made him go to a tool concert, right? People are into tool. They might like Van Halen, but that's more darker drawn out kind of music. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if people expect some sort of Eddie like shred, I bet Wolfgang could probably do it, but no, that's not, there's going to be, I guarantee you there's going to be nothing like that on the album. Right. So, um, it's just funny how people's expectations get a little bit crazy because the legend is just so large. Did you see in any of the interviews that you read that I think it was Eddie Trunk who said, are you going to play any Van Halen songs live when you tour in the record? Did you see that part? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that came out of Eddie's, uh, but I think Wolfgang addressed that on Instagram or something. That's just another ridiculous thing. Really? I mean, no, I, no, (laughs) I wouldn't want to hear that. Would you? And I, if I was him, I wouldn't want to do it. Would I want to hear it? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think at this point, some Van Halen is better than no Van Halen. I loved the Bird and the Bee Van Halen album. Uh, uh, did we ever talk about that? Uh, we may have uh, off mic, perhaps. I no, I dig it too. I love an interpretation of it. But you're, yeah. but if you're Wolfgang, you can't interpret it because people are going to get pissed and. I, I just, you know, and I think did he mention on Howard Stern maybe there might be a tribute show of some sort, but they haven't really even thought that right. down the road a ways. I mean, I don't want to see Mammoth WVH doing Bottoms Up, and how does any of that stuff fit in with what the what the if he's torn for the album? No, man, I, geez, I, I I'm, yeah, I just, I'd want to see it if Roth, Hagar, and Sharon came out and did their parts of it. Oh, a trip for a trip for like a like some sort of tribute show. Oh, yeah. Michael Anthony plays and maybe Alex plays. Yeah, I'm saying is see that I I don't want to hear cover versions by Mammoth WVH, even when one when a quarter of them does have that uh, that Van Halen DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah. My uh, perspective on tribute shows changed a bit. I, I loved Eddie Money and his his passing was very very sad in this household but access tv had a tribute show because they ran his reality show and it was i saw that it looked great sammy did a version of um um oh my goodness uh, did, did you do two tickets did you walk on water or two tickets I, I don't know some of the show was great and then some of it was a little cringy wreck they were just in. Hey, we need uh, we need Tommy Two Tone. You're like, why do you why do you need Tommy Two Tone? <laughs> uh, okay, so some of them were mismatched things. Some of the people could really sing, and then some of them couldn't. James, I don't know why James Hetfield was on the Eddie Money tribute show doing "Baby oh. Hold On to Me" when five songs before that someone else did "Baby Hold On to Me." So right. Well, you know what? I was reading about that a couple of months ago. I know him and Eddie were, became really close friends, I guess. And he really loved Eddie Money, which I would never expect James Hetfield to love Eddie Money. But I thought that was 
you know, hey, go outside your comfort zone, man. I kind of like that version of Baby Hold On to Me. Would you ever have thought before that that James Hetfield was gonna was gonna I perform that at a tribute show? Well, why did Why did they do Baby Hold On to Me twice? Right. In, right. in an hour-long TV concert. So that gave a sign to me that maybe it was haphazardly put together. Like somebody committed to Baby Hold On, and they're like, hey, uh, James Hetfield wants to do it. Oh, cool. What song does he want to do? Baby Hold On to Me. Hey, um, James wants to do this song, but you've already rehearsed it. Uh, <laughs> that's that's like the shoestring budget nature of of that kind of thing. And hey, I love Access TV. That's my favorite channel on TV. But right. it was just strung together in a bad way. I just Van Halen doesn't do things cheaply or badly. Um, so I would love a tribute concert, even if Gary Sharon sings all 12 songs. <laughs> well, I won't I won't go out on the limb that far, but <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting, though, when you think of it, I mean, Michael will certainly be active. He's been ha- inactive. He's been active yeah. with the circle and all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Wolfgang clearly is going to have his own thing going. If we ever get if we, you know, post covid. Dave will be doing dates, solo dates somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, I guess. You know, the wild card there is, I think we brought this up before, is uh, will we ever hear Alex play drums again? He's never played with anybody else, I don't think. Eddie Trunk asked that. that Oh, really? Which I was surprised that he had the guts to ask. uh, And he did. And he said, uh, Alex is always playing drums. He, he, that's what he does. Whether or not it's for somebody's a different story. Oh, but, that's great that he's still playing at home. But as far as like in a public setting, playing, you know, uh, certainly he's not going to end up playing, you know, going out on the road, being the hired hand for somebody. He doesn't need to do it. I can't imagine him doing that anyway. But uh, he's never guessed it that I know of. Has he guessed it on anyone's records? I don't he's I don't think he's done one guest spot ever credited now. Did Van Halen ever do anything like U2? Was it called the Jazz? What What was that U2 album that they did under a different name? The pa- pass- Passengers. Some, not the Jazz Passengers, but it was a name it was, like. I think it was called. Was it called Passengers? I think something like that. It was something like that, and they put out that album that like a few people know about. And McCartney has put out like two different albums under different names. Right. I have a hunch that Van Halen did something like that. I don't know. You would hear it, man. I mean, those those other examples you mentioned, I mean, there's such uh, – what was it? Firemen or something like that Paul McCartney yeah. did. It was – that was – what was that kind of techno stuff? I mean, it was way – it was complete 360s unless – uh, unless somewhere maybe there was some sort of weird j- jazz combo they did with uh, their dad playing clarinet and they went. I oh. mean, but <laughs> I mean, that familiar brown sound, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, maybe I, there's a whole maybe there's a whole album that sounds like Big Bad Bill is Sweet William now. I don't know. I would not be shocked about that, that Ted Templeman called in some favors the way that he played on that uh, Nicolette uh, Larson or, or whatever her name is. album. I, right. I If I were a betting man. I would say we weirdly see Alex Van Halen in 10 years playing jazz clubs the way that Charlie Watts does his, you know, you have to suffer jazz uh, club gigs where you pay $250 just to watch him play. It's going to be some version of the Alex Van Halen jazz odyssey or something. And that's going to see happening. He's going to get pissed because people are going to show up yelling for a hot for teacher. Yes. (laughs) That's what I do see happening, that we know so little about Alex Van Halen, besides my exclusive about the the horse barn carriages 
Uh, right, and, right. Well, besides that, we don't know anything. Like, who are his kids? Uh, where does he live? Yeah. Does he like music? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I guess the bottom line is, I, in the months ahead, I think things outside of outside of uh, everything that uh, Wolf is doing, and and it's gonna probably it's gonna be pretty quiet. I would bet. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we've got Dave's paintings. Hopefully, maybe some more music might drop. Who knows? There could be another. There, there could be another. Well. Seeing how long as I think this one took, there could be a whole nother Roth project, sci-fi, dystopian fantasy thing going on. I mean, that's what makes it kind of fun, too, because you just don't know. Things just pop out there. You know, it just comes out. I mean, did anybody have any idea that Wolf was going to have a single come out yeah. You know, on Monday before the previous Friday? Right. I mean, just we they're good. At- we didn't know about the Roth project or Summer Over the Rainbow. We didn't know any of that stuff right. was out those are all day of or day before kind of scenarios which is incredible that they were able to keep everything under wraps like that maybe there'll be some more surprises and of course if there are we'll be covering it right here on the dlr cast (laughs) and and i I now have to sadly say i don't think that i don't know if we're going to be the number one dl uh david lee roth podcast in the world for how much longer did you see diesel dweezil zappa now has a like a basically an eddie van halen podcast no does he wow I did not know that. I'll have to that, check. That's happening. Then what's that one from that LA studio? The the one that where they unearthed the Brian the archivist uh, from the Van Halen thing. Jeez, I don't. I can't. I don't know about that. I m- missed something there. Well, they keep interviewing people. Uh, who's the guy that they have on this week? Doug Messinger. He's a, he's a famous LA guitarist who worked with Van Morrison and he knew Hendrix. But he was friends with Eddie. And so it's all these people unearthing stories. So one thing that gives me hope is that more and more people are coming out of the woodwork with cool stories. And that's further why I see more bootlegs coming. Yeah, I can see that, too. And I was just thinking, you know what this reminds me of? And he's still alive, of course. But for the last 20, 30 years, especially as he's been back in the public eye again, you've been hearing all these stories about Brian Wilson. Oh, yeah, I ran into him at Kroger or something. I, you know, and we stand <laughs> You know what I mean? Or he just showed up and started playing piano at this thing. And I mean, you know, th- that's the thing. Even if it never made it out of 5150 Studios, Eddie was always active. He was always doing something. And it was kind of cool to see him on social media for a while. It's like, oh, hey, he's at the beach. <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy lived a life. He was married. He was doing things. I mean, and he raised a great kid. And seeing that Wolfgang video for The Distance, I never saw one morsel or iota of film from that video before so i'm wondering because they were filming him playing piano in his living room or whatnot was he filming everything all the time and was he playing music all the time i don't know i mean those that distance video that's a great video it got me choked up and uh but that was it looked like it was mostly all you know private home movies i mean it seems like eddie always had a camera valerie always had a camera there they are at the beach and they're you know all the little baby and kid stuff and all that what i'd love to see though i bet you there was cameras when they were first when wolf mentioned when they first started jamming right when he was playing bass picked up playing drums and i think wasn't there like a little bit of footage so there's probably hours about at that stuff there because Eddie was so proud of his kid. I bet you there was a camera on a tripod. It's like and just he was taping all this stuff because he was so proud. It's like, wow, I'm playing with my my kid. He's great. I got to set up a camera and film this. Yeah. The second to last, if I remember correctly, 
I don't want to rewatch it and tear up again. <laughs> so I'm just going to go from memory here. The second to last thing that we see in the video is them sound checking on stage, which right. I have to assume is not just muted. I have to assume that there's video, which then leads me to believe they were filming their sound checks. Uh, I think we as Van Halen fans at this point, we would pay for sound check samples. Yeah. Well, there are a couple things. There's at least one video I saw of sound check and when they and Dave never sound checked with him to, to save his voice. But there was some footage shot at the back of arenas, a couple of things like that, where the three of them are all on stage and just here it is. Can you imagine three in the afternoon? You hear that coming out of the PA system. I mean, this, and there was an outdoor concert in L.A. Was it for the was it before yeah, the, live? Yeah, so there's footage there of them sound check or just Eddie sound checking, and um, uh, there was I saw some footage recently. It was shot kind of from upper stage right. It was you know broad daylight, and Eddie's just like letting it rip while he's checking while they're checking levels and stuff. So there's there's stuff out there, but I'd love to know what full jam sessions there are, and who knows if thing. Although I would bet Dave said, listen, we're not taping any of these rehearsals, <laughs> right? Well. That leads me to, to ask, when you said it's just them three sound checking without him, uh, I've heard of cases where the lead singer does not show up to sound check and understudy. A friend of a friend once told me that Paul Simon won't sound check. It's this guy, Steve Conti, who played in the New York Dolls. He's right. one of those side who's been around. So he sings the Paul Simon part. <laughs> Did Van Halen have a vocal understudy? For soundtrack, or would it be Wolf singing? I don't. Th- I don't think they did. Um, I. I. I know. God, is one of those soundtracks with Wolf singing? But I mean, I'm sure they got to test Dave's mic, right? I mean, but the other thing too is, I mean, th- plenty of bands don't sound check at all. They just, I mean, Cheap Trick. I've been at Cheap Trick sound tra- sound checks over the years, but a lot of times because they're doing fly-ins they're not sound checking and that's why some of those songs start out with that was one of the reasons why rick wrote hello there was basically because everything comes in in stages you know right you got the guitar riff then the drum then the bass and vocals so the sound guy can get the different levels and things like that and and um uh and i think at some point you're just so well rehearsed you know these songs too it's really about it's 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 more technical reasons where roadies will go up there and test the guitars but I like to think that the three of them are sound checking because they just love to play together. The uh, the Van, all three Van Halens that is. Yeah. So because they were doing different songs, they were doing some full songs out there, just uh, you know, sans vocals. So. Well, that uh, puts me on the the optimistic tip of the archives, uh, seeing that Wolfie video of what is out there and then the howard stern interview and the eddie trunk interview both of them gave the vibe that there's a trillion tapes it's just somebody has to go through them what he told eddie trunk eddie was like what's there you know that kind of thing and i think he said it it would take two years to really go through everything and it'll be a massive undertaking and it'll be done but he just doesn't know when and Eddie courageously imparted him. If I'm spoiling this, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm doing the, ser- the service of saving you and everyone time. He asked, well, will Alex Van Halen be involved with all this archiving? He goes, oh, yeah, he'll be taking the lead. I'll, I'll be the junior on it. Makes sense. I mean, Al was there. Uh, Al probably knows everything that's there as well, right? So I'm sure there'll be some consensus between the two of them, and I would bet they know and um, what they. I bet they have an idea of 
I mean, there's probably going to be things like, yeah, we don't want to release this. But, of yeah. course, the thing that we want to know the most is what's out there with Dave on it, right? What? Uh, because there just weren't B-sides. There weren't – I right. mean, there weren't uh, – you know, did they go in and record, uh, say, 20 songs for A Different Kind of Truth and 12 made the album or whatever? I, who knows? I don't know. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like what uh, Butch Vig said in our interview. There was just a bunch of old tapes and they were going through it. But that guy, Brian, I forget his last name, the, the archivist for Van Halen, who was working on that project in 0405. He was saying that somebody from the Van Halen camp reached out to him going, hey, you still got all those tapes? And that was in reference to a different kind of truth. Like they were looking for even more old stuff. So unfortunately, yeah. that confirms the rumor that most of that album was pre-written aside from the the lyrics yeah most of that they reworked some things and i think there was some new stuff there i'm pretty sure stay frosty was brand new and um um uh, i think chinatown was there was um but yeah i mean even going back to the early stuff where there's stuff recorded for fair warning that never made the album i mean you know you just you don't know yeah it's only eight or nine songs on that album they hadn't than right and and taking another step further i mean over years dave solo stuff we've seen some we've seen some b-sides some different yeah. things come out there there was a there was a non-album track that was on the greatest hits the, uh what was it yeah. the Don't best be. right yeah, yeah that seen i think that was recorded during your filthy little mouth oh yeah, really? I, I believe so i uh, during that those sessions that's, that's a 94 album this was a 97 best of yeah sense and not it almost just, sounds like it a little bit. I don't. I can't remember. I don't have it in arm's reach if if um if Nile Rodgers produced it or not. And yeah, and I I know there's a couple outtakes, not a ton of stuff from the Eat 'Em and Smile sessions, yeah. uh, and some things out there. And even if it's not brand new music, I'd love to hear some rehearsal versions, right? I mean, how the songs evolved and got, and made its way in the evolutionary process in the songwriting process. So I'm just a, a sucker for any of that stuff. Well, I guess that's why the effort has to go back to be trying to get bread tuckle on the line yes <laughs> yeah I, there's... I i found the aol address for him now the question is does he still use aol or is that an old address that's to be determined god i almost would hope uh, do you know anybody who still uses aol good lord <laughs> one of the bisonettes <laughs> oh no kidding all right well i'm not gonna slag anybody for using aol then. okay oh, god. god bless one of the bisonettes um um oh i had a i've had like a few high profile people who are still aol you still find them out there no kidding well all right well i stand corrected <laughs> there's a few of them I'm, I'm sure david lee roth's email has an aol in there yeah <laughs> some some uh alias uh uh, the one that no one can find because it's on AOL, the stuff that he uh, the he rarely uses, right? Yeah. He probably is DLRHQ at AOL.com. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up, we've got uh, your interview with Michael Starr from Steel Panther. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, it's not Van Halen centric, but it's just the right amount of Dave and Van Halen in there. That's what we love. That's why we're here, man. Coming up, and thanks for downloading and streaming. The pandemic has not been a great time for anybody, but hey, it's produced two excellent Steel Panther live streams. Are there more coming, or is that all we're going to see? Oh, yeah, there's more coming. We are making content for that right now as we speak. 
And uh, we're going to release a uh, alternative version of one of our songs. I just finished doing vocals today over at Sticks' house. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is because we really want to roll out and be a big surprise. But we are going to be doing playing it live at, at our New Year's thing. So that will be cool. So we have a couple of streams coming up for November and December. And then we're going to do, and they're all going to be from the Viper Room. We're going to do about, I think we're doing three more, if I'm not mistaken, from the Viper Room. You know, those live streams are a great way for us to connect with everybody because it's, I don't know, it's really hard to, to do, to navigate through this time because, as you know, shit's get changing day by day. You don't know what's yeah. going to happen. But as somebody who's seen you live well before COVID, you know, I not only have the Danger Kitty single, but I, one time I was in Denmark and yeah, you were Exactly. Uh, seeing you at the House of Blues in LA. Someone who's seen you over the years. You guys are still funny without being offensive and out of touch. For like, you guys are still Steel Panther. What I'm curious is if it was hard at any point of the pandemic to still be funny. Well, not really. It, actually, going out and doing those shows, I'll have to tell you, I felt like. I don't know. It was, I, we haven't played in so long, and normally we play so much, and I, I don't really think about, oh my god, we got to play. We have, I got to practice or rehearse a little bit, because normally we play so much and never think about it. But once we got on stage together, it just happens, and that's how we started. You know, we we started doing live shows together, and you know we wrote set lists out and we tried to adhere to them and we never could and we would just bring people up to jam and we just start doing what we do and i think that um there's an honesty honesty with steel panther it's you know we do make a lot of fun and we fuck around a lot but you know it, it's it's rooted in in truth so i think people connect to that you know you know i'm not young anymore i'm 55 years old but i still love vince neal you know what i mean <laughs> I'm not going to stop. Sure. I've heard interviews with Satchel where he said that after the show, you're watching Van Halen bootlegs on the bus. And I didn't get the vibe that that was a joke. I got the vibe that you actually were doing that. So is that... I do it. Yeah, I do it all the time. And, you know, there's always something... They say the same thing to me to the guys. They're like, really? More Van Halen? I go, yeah, because every now and then somebody puts something new on and I want to see it. You know, and then sure enough, those the new stuff during the pandemic came out from like '78 or something. Yes, I, I, or '77 even, and it was just I don't know. I love Van Halen, so I, I'm a really huge, big Van Halen fan. And uh, I and I that's not all I watch. I watch Dokken and some Motley and whatever I can get my hands on. I love that shit. Now, are you also a diehard when it comes to the Diamond Dave solo catalog? Yeah, I, well. You know, he started losing me a little bit with She's My Machine. I don't know if you know that song. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I was like, what, dude? That's not Van Halen. But, you know, Little Enough came out, and I liked that record. That was a cool record. Do you? And, you know, and then also uh, a buddy of ours played, played drums for him for a long time, Ray Luzier. Yes. And uh, so I got to hear all the stories, all the music that Ray was doing with our old guitar player for the Atomic Punks. It was just, it was really awesome. I love Van Halen. That's right. That is the small world connection of Ray, who was briefly in Metal Shop or 
Danger Kitty or whatever it was called. And David Lee Roth took him from us. Yes. And we got Sticks. <laughs> Sticks, who's looking fitter than ever. Uh, did oh, Sticks dude. change up his diet? Because he went from being the least in shape person to the most in shape person in the band for a little while. He uh, he changed everything. He just, you know, what he did is he started doing this thing called intermittent fasting. Ah, right. And uh, we were doing it together, and I was like, "Fuck this! <laughs> I'd rather eat. I like eating, especially right before I go to bed. It's fun. <laughs> you know, I just like I like to watch football and eat. And so he's he's really like been able to to like change that. And I guess it's had a drastic effect on him. But he's definitely. He's definitely more in shape too. He's really like just changed uh, his workout habits and stuff, and and he can he can have sex with like three girls in one night now. Pretty good for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, he was like forty pounds heavier. He couldn't. He could barely bone one chick. <laughs> um, I don't remember the early days of Steel Panther of Sticks playing piano. Yet it's been a big part of the last few webcasts. Has he been hiding that talent the whole time? Well, you know, uh, Satchel wrote a song called Weenie Ride. And yeah. we we're in Las Vegas doing our residency there. And we were practicing it. And Satchel was playing the piano. And Styx goes, I can, I can play it. And you guys, you can sing it with Michael. And so he just started playing it. And then the record came out. And we decided we're going to do that song live. So we brought a keyboard out for him. And he started playing that. And so now it's like part of the show where he brings out the keyboard and plays. So that whole time he's in the band and no one knows that he plays piano? Yeah, he played Winnie Ride on the record. <laughs> but, you know, going back to when you are a Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I knew he played piano, but drummers are all the same. I don't know if you know this, but they, they want to control everything and be in the front of the stage. So does Ray Luzier play the piano? You know, I don't think he does. I think he, he's programmed before with MIDI keyboards, but I don't think he plays. I've never seen him play piano. Now, I, I heard that Sticks played the piano, but I wasn't sure about it. And then he snuck it in, and then he got on the record. He sings, too, you know. Yeah, I'm getting that vibe from, from the webcast. It becomes kind of like a talent show because we've seen dance competitions uh, lately. What else have we seen? Uh... We've well, seen... there's definitely uh, rhyming con competitions always going on. Well, you're a PhD in literature, so I don't think that's that's a fair competition. It's <laughs> yeah. really easy for me because I ain't got I ain't I got lots of shit done here. You know what I'm saying? And then we've seen one of the best Aussie impressions that I've ever seen, courtesy of you. Is that something you thank you before Steel Panther? Were you ever in a weird Aussie tribute band? No, but we we uh, we've done that for years actually. It's you know what? I've got to tell you something. I'm not trying to be sell stuff, but I just want to tell you. I just got my new Steel Panther hoodie, right? Threw it on. And now I just got like five, because I bought five hoodies from our, from our band. And I got five notifications. So each one, I'm like scrolling up, scrolling up, scrolling up. Anyways. You got so, that. Yeah. This, this t-shirt counts towards it too, right? Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. We don't get free shit. But yeah, no, I used to do the Aussie thing. Uh, we would just joke around and do that. And then when we started doing this thing called uh, the Sunset Strip Live, mm -hmm. um, we started doing our old show from back in the, the Monday nights and Vegas days. 
with the covers and bringing back the Aussie thing and playing a bunch of covers and shit. And it was rad. So we just kept it. And we, I, I don't know if I'm overdoing it, but I still like doing it. It's fun. Not overdoing it. Uh, we've good. also seen some great guests between Rudy Sarzo and Blasco. Is there kind of some pressure from the band that all your other webcasts have to have great guests? Well, we like to bring our friends on. So whenever we, but you know, what's really, I find strange is that I, when it's time to find somebody to be in our webcast, we all are like, okay, who can we get? It's like, and we, we know so many people just from touring, but it just, it, you never really know who to ask. Like who, who would you suggest we get? Like, I'm not joking, seriously. Uh, they, have to be, be they have to be L.A. based. Well, it'd be easier because we film in L.A. Uh, I mean, did anyone ever ask Dave Grohl? He seems to like to do everything. You know, what? that's a really good idea. You know, I don't I know. I know Taylor a little bit. Only because when Satchel and I were in the Atomic Punks, mm -hmm. Dave and Taylor asked if they could open for us at the small little club in North Hollywood or Van Nuys or Reseda is where it was. Reseda. So the Foo Fighters opened up for the Atomic Punks at the and I'm sitting on I'm sitting on the side of the stage with Jack Black watching the Foo Fighters play opening up for us. And uh so that would be really cool. I, I wonder if you remember me. Uh well who's gonna forget the greatness on on over there? I don't know. Aren't you black in like twenty five countries? Yeah, totally. I mean, so I tell my landlord. <laughs> I I'll mean, pay you soon, man. Tom Morello would do it if he's in LA because he seems to do a lot of uh, these charity jam sessions and all that. Yeah, I wonder if Cantrell would do it. Now we're going down that that path now. All right, thanks. And also Dave Draymond, but he doesn't live in LA. He used to sing with us all the time. Yeah, so I think. Uh, we're learning he was sing this. Love is like a bomb, baby. Come and get it on. Living like a lover with a radar phone. I, I, I think everyone in the world would do it except David Lee Roth, who interestingly you went for. David Lee Roth, I ran into him at this little club called Lucky Strike. And there was supposed to be a reunion uh, of the Eat Him and Smile band. And they were gonna get ready to go on stage, and, I'm, and I somebody knew somebody back there. I got back there, and I started talking to Dave. And he, his accountant was uh, one of an accountant that I used to use. And that sounds so douchey. <laughs> Basically, it was some woman that was smarter than me that paid bills for me, and I paid her for it. And I'm like, oh my god, you know, you you're working with David Lee Roth? That's crazy. She goes, yeah, here, here's my card, and. Dave really would like to get it up and jam with you guys. I was like, holy shit. So I, I reached out and he said no. So I think she was full of shit. It happens. Uh, when my wife and I went to see the Dave residency in Vegas, we saw the guitarist of Rat w was there. Like some interesting names were in the crowd. And it seems like Dave is the most desired person who doesn't hang out with anybody from the scene. Or yeah. am I wrong? Is he secretly hanging out with everybody and no one's telling anyone? Well, you know, I don't know. I think I obviously since the pandemic, nobody's hanging out very much. But I know that he, you know, he sang with the Foo Fighters back in 16. That was pretty cool. I think it was 16. 
Maybe it was even 14. It's been so long. But yeah, I don't know, man. He's been doing art and just chilling in his mansion in Pasadena. Exactly. And, you know, especially after, you know, Eddie passes away, I'm sure that he's got to feel this tremendous loss and probably not hanging out too much. And, uh, and we'll, the- hey, Wolfie's song is pretty cool, huh? Don't you, uh, pulling the curtain back, don't you have the same publicist as Wolfie at this point? Uh, we do, yeah. How'd you know? Uh, I do my research. So yeah, uh, no, no really... pressure to say anything here. But... Hey, that's who we should get. Wolfie, we should get him up to Jensen Van Halen with us. Mark Tremonti, too. Miles Kennedy. All, yes. All, uh, your publicist clients. Seven yeah. us members. They'll all come on stage. Totally. That's, see, now that's who we're going to reach out to. Kevin. <laughs> Speak to Kevin. So that all reminds me, with Wolfie Single, being who you are, do people give you Van Halen bootlegs? They like after the show they go, Hey, I got something to give you. And you have the collection that everyone's been dreaming of. I don't, I have the collection everybody has now. Back in the day, I got collections of stuff that people didn't have because it was on a cassette or <laughs> then a CD then a DVD. But now everything is online except for, I forget where it was from, but it was from the Diver Down tour. And I was friends with this guy named Matty Brock and he was Eddie Van Halen's guitar tech at the time. And him and I were writing songs together and he played for me a video. I think it was in Florida, but I'm not positive, but it was during the Diver Down tour. I'm sure of that. Eddie was set up on the, the right side and Michael Anthony was set up on the left side. And I watched the whole set. It was. It was rad. And I've never, I have never seen it online. So there's some, that's why I keep searching because one day everything will be online and I'm going to have it. Do you know, for example, if the Oakland 81 show, if there's more than three shows that were filmed? Yeah. And that was the, from what I hear, that was the best show. And Dave still made them ran out of soundstage. They set up everything the same as it was behind him at the Oakland show. And he did a bunch of cutaway B-roll shots for that. So that was filmed for a home video, you think? That didn't happen? No, it, it was a promo video. Now, I am not a, like a spokesperson or an expert oh, oh, on of that, course. You know what I mean? Kevin. This is the, it's just like you. It's just stuff that I hear. And I, you know, I take it for what it's worth. And but what I heard is it was a promo video and Dave was bummed about it and he wanted to, you know, add some more parts. And so he went and got all dressed. They set up the whole stage and he, he filmed himself. Wow. Doing some screens. You could tell cause his hair is different. That's not the first video where his hair was different, but that's not the here. <laughs> the bottom line is uh, back to you and steel Panther. Uh, is there anything that is on the books or firm besides having more live streams planned? Are you guys trying to go, well, in 2022, we're going here? Or are you just letting all the chips fall into place? Well, we have Australia booked. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm not sure. God, my roommate was so loud. Anyways, uh, uh, yeah, we have Australia booked. And, that, and we have, you know, uh, this festival called the Download Festival booked, the Hellfest out in France. Uh, we have a bunch of festivals booked in the summer. And actually this weekend we're going away to play Nashville and 
Chattanooga, Tennessee as well. So we're going to go out and do two shows. But yeah, we have stuff booked for next year. But, you know, like everybody else, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, it could change in it or it could, who knows? Well, it's good to see that you guys are not giving up on any level. It doesn't seem like the well is drying up creatively. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you did record some new vocals today. So I think it's very reassuring that you guys, again, you're not having the defeated attitude of, well, it used to be like this. I'm not. Well, dude, that's, that's our career. That is our career. It used to be heavy metal was cool, right? <laughs> and our thing was, we're going to bring it back. Fuck everybody, right? And then we get a record deal and, you know, we start selling records and people are like, well, God, man, if this was back in the 80s, you guys would be millionaires because you would have sold so many more records, right? And then, oh, man, too bad MTV can't play your videos. Oh, man, we, if we just could have, you know, we, we've had to have a positive attitude the whole time. And thankfully, our bread and butter and everything that we do is based on our live show, really. You know, that's how we started out and that's how we continue to create you know, work for ourselves is by playing live. And that's, we love to do all the other stuff too as well, but playing live is the best. I really miss it. That makes sense to me. Well, three quick questions and then you're free for me and from the press day. And the first one is, when did it become the day job that you could just do Steel Panther and didn't have to do Atomic Punks or the other stuff? Well, even before we got signed, we were still doing, you know, Steel Panther. and. We did it for 10 years, every Monday, Wednesday, mm -hmm. Friday, and Saturday. That was our, we did Mondays in LA, Wednesdays in San Diego, Friday, Saturdays in Vegas. And then we would do one-offs. And we did that for 10 years. And then well, Friday and Saturdays, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Fridays and Saturdays were usually left for the Atomic Punks, right? And then Steel Panther got a little bit more popular or whatever, and we got a deal and then Seal Panther played on Friday and Saturday. But once we got the record deal, we decided, all right, we're going to quit all our other bands and just focus on this. And uh, it was a scary moment. And then, you know, we also had to make another choice a couple of years down the road to cut off our weekly shows and not do them and just tour only. And it worked out great. It worked out great. But I quit my real day job. I used to work at a place called Capital Records. I'm sure you've heard of it. And uh, I you know, quit that. Guy? Wow. <laughs> I quit it. Yeah, yeah. I worked at Capital, and then I, then I went to this other label called Virgin Records. And I worked there until we started doing Metal Shop at the Viper Room. Wow. So that was yeah. after LA Guns or during LA Guns? No, that was, I did uh, LA Guns during Atomic Punks, Metal Shop, and another band. It's a miracle you have vocal cords still, the amount of high-pitched whales and all that. Wow. Well, question yeah. number two, do you own Eat em and Smile in Spanish, uh, the album Sonrisa Salvaje? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass myself right now. I don't have the vinyl in Spanish, but I do have it on Spotify in Spanish. Good answer. I do own it Toto on Toto Loco. <laughs> exactly. And my closer, any last words for the kids? Yeah, for the kids, don't give up. Keep on rocking. Get your face out of the screen, you know, 
and get it on the guitar, the fretboard, the piano, sing. I mean, that really is, it's hard because I find myself, I'm in front of the computer all the time, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I'm using Logic to record. And uh, I have to take a break from that and just go, oh, man, I need to go for a walk and be around other humans and see stuff, right? So, yeah, I would say that. And just keep doing drugs because it makes everything better. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't do them excessively, obviously. You know, you got to control your cocaine, even it out with a little, you know what, what to do. Yeah. Tasteful moderation. Well, I tasteful can't... moderation. Yes. Is that the next album by Steel Panther? Tasteful moderation. Yeah, dude. I'll tell you one thing I don't suffer from is dream fatigue. <laughs> I am living the dream and I fucking love it. This is great. I don't know what to say beyond just thanks for the many years of great, great music. And uh, I don't know, get Kevin on the horn. I think he's got your bookings for the next webcast. Yeah, good. Hey, <laughs> thanks for that.